I'm going to do is talk about, I, I don't believe that's the case. I think there's a, a prior step before that one, which is identification as self. And what I mean by that is the mind in self-centeredness has one major modus operandi, which is from that point of view, it claims everything it comes in contact with. It takes advantage of it in some way. Just like we talked about grief last night and anything. It will always take advantage of it. So the first place where it takes advantage of it. So self-centeredness is a system to me of thought and interpretation. It's almost like a foreign installment. We grew into it and therefore we have the possibility to grow out of it. Like it says in the book that you will outgrow, on page 63 or 62, it says, uh, you will outgrow the fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. Well, in that case, you must have grown into the, fa- the fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. So the possibility to outgrow it is available. So I must have grown into self-centeredness, because when I was young, I didn't have the experience of what they talk about in the promises. I didn't have any fear of financial insecurity, obviously. I didn't have have fear of people, you know. I would run up to any stranger and, you know, like a Labrador, you know, just run up and, hey, my mother would run after me, don't, don't, he may be a killer or whatever, you know. But I just run up and totally available and present and when I was playing, I didn't have any uh, talk about who's playing up there. I was just playing. There wasn't any little narrator. Oh, you've been playing for a long time. Maybe you shouldn't be playing. This may be too much. No, none of that was going on. Playing was just happening. And it was sort of a simple thing, and I remember it. Not remember it as like particular pictures, but in my gut, in a sense. I remember that freedom that I never achieved or attained. It was just natural at that point. I didn't have to take workshops, nor did I have to go to a talk like this to try to remember, because I hadn't forgotten yet. I was sort of in it. I was in what I would say conscious contact. I was actually the conscious contact. I'm I'm not in it. See, that's another way our language tricks us all day, because really the language we use is a subjective language used, used by objects, actually. The body and this brain is an object. And it's using a subjective language. And that's where the selfing comes in. But the back to that feeling, I had a long extended period. Like I know some people, some kids, some people when they were kids, they were in a hostile situation, you know, or like violent situation. So fear became dominant or anxiety early. I wasn't like that. I was in a lower middle class family and I had, there was a lot of freedom available. Yeah. And I, and I enjoyed it a lot. And then, it hit a certain point where I believe introspection began, where the thinking mind got revved up and it started to think about me. That me that was sort of uh, a thought in and of itself. Yeah? So a thoughts, all the thoughts started to think about a thought. which it was, And the thought in me is what I call self. And it's a feeling of being a long and lasting. It's not just a thought, it has a sense with it. That this is a Buddhist terminology, but I like it a lot. It says, the feeling of being a self is like being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. 
obviously that re- that belief comes from being a body. Yeah? You're identified as this, which immediately puts you into separation and makes that. Yeah? As soon as this, as soon as this is you, then that isn't you, and now you're in relation, and there goes uh, that separation immediately. So the first thing that happens is when you're a kid, when you're a baby, supposedly you're not in separation. You don't see any difference between your mother and you until a certain point in your uh, gestation, whatever. The first year or so, there's you're in that singularity of of living. There isn't any separation yet, and then it does, and then of course the name for that separation is Paul. Yeah. And then the mind gets obsessed around that, the thinking, and the thinking reinforces that sense of being a Paul. Yeah. And that's when uh, the shit started to hit the fan, basically, in my life. The two and four years, the golden years of my life were from two to four, and then it went downhill from there, you know, <laughs> because selfing, this thing that I'm going to speak about tonight, creates uh, an irritability, restlessness, and discontent in the host that it's starting to take over. And it's got a really devious uh, strategy because if you're identified, see, I don't believe it's obsession as self, with self. If you're identified as self, when you respond to those alarms that you're feeling in your body, that unease and restlessness and irritability, what responds to that is the problem, because the thinking is self-centeredness, and you're identified with the center of that thinking, which is self. So you see how everything in life pertains to you as a self, not to you as life, but to you as a self. So, So for me, this, this modality of this self-centeredness, its major modality is claiming. So in a view, when I was a kid, I was conscious contact. I was feeling, seeing, tasting, touching, smelling. And in Buddhism, they use the terms, the mind is a sixth sense where you see thoughts. You see, like if I looked out the window, if a bird flew by, I'd see it. That's actually how you register thoughts. You're not thinking them, you see them. Your mind sees them, not with eyes, but there's a knowledge, there's awareness there, and it becomes aware of a thought that arises, and you see it. But it's a perfect example, because how, in language, it's interpreted that seeing is, I am seeing, I am thinking. So the I claims the seeing of the thought, and makes it into something it's doing, which is, I am thinking. So thinking sounds like running, you know, I am running, I am thinking. It sounds like something you're doing, an activity. But it's not an activity. It's just you're conscious, and whatever arises, you'll be aware of. So thoughts arise, and so you see them. Just like at night, some maybe the thoughts are driving you crazy. Because you can't turn them off, because you're obsessed with those thoughts. I'll get to it later, but you're obsessed with those thoughts because you think they're about you. That's another major problem with self-centeredness. The, the bonding agent isn't the thought, it's your interest in them. Because you think the thoughts are about you. The thoughts are just thoughts, but when when they're, they're identified or claimed by this selfing, they become my thought, which is you believe it's yours because you thought it, yes? And then it's sort of now you are beholden to it. And so your attention gets captured in it, and that thought tells a story. And you have to, you can't say no to the author's page because you believe you're the author. So you have a built-in interest in how the story's going to go. <laughs> if you realize someone shares their thoughts with you and you have that sense of 
they are their thoughts, you can be bored very quickly when they tell you their story. But your story, you're very interested in, and it's just as bad as their story. <laughs> What's the difference is there's an interest in it, because it's about you, really. And that's the dilemma. So in, in the experience of living now, there is contact. You're contacting what you call the outside world, things, with... You're either having contact with visually, hearing it, tasting it, touching it, smelling it, and then thinking about it. That's the sixth way. So that's the conscious contact. But instead of experiencing seeing, you, ex- you, you have an interpretation of seeing as I'm seeing that. Yeah? You don't experience hearing anymore. What you get is an interpretation by your head that I'm hearing that. I'm tasting that. I'm feeling that. I'm thinking that. That's totally different than when you see, see, when you feel, feel, when you taste, taste, when you touch, touch, when you hear, hear. It's totally different. And that's conscious contact. You are not hearing, obviously. If your ear is open and it's pointed in a certain direction, whatever sound occurs in that area, you're going to hear it. It doesn't give a damn what you say. You're hearing it, you know, because it has nothing to do with you as the you. It's just hearing, seeing, feeling, tasting, touching. That's the conscious contact. Those are the contact modality of how consciousness contacts things. Not you. You do not contact things. You are the story about the contact from the point of view of a self. Because the selfing claims the contact and goes, I did it. I'm hearing, I'm thinking. And then, once it has that in place, then it can have thousands of opinions, which are tons of thoughts about the thinking. These are bad thoughts. These are good thoughts. This is a perverse thought. I can't share this with anyone else. I'll just wait till I get home and look at the portal later. Whatever it may be. There's all these reactions that create what I call selfing, or make it. Which selfing is, you, re- you react to conscious contact with a thought, and then you get, and then your attention gets moved from the conscious contact and starts attending to thoughts. So your, con- your ability to be conscious becomes enslaved to being conscious of thoughts about what? You! The you that you're not. So the head obsessing over self is the way to reinforce the identification as self because it's not a natural body. Self, like Bill W. says, self has defeated us. So there's the us, and there's the self. There's got to be a bonding agent, because you're not a self. So there's got to be something that bonds you to the self, and that's the sense of being defeated. And the bonding agent is how you hear and how you interpret conscious contact. You interpret conscious contact that I'm seeing, I'm feeling, I'm tasting, I'm touching, and I'm thinking, and then it takes off from there and tells a huge story about life based on you being the liver of it. And you're not the liver of it. Life is happening through you, just like it's happening through me. And I am truly conscious of that. That consciousness is what I am. I am not the narration about that conscious contact. I am the conscious contact. So when you are... So that's the claiming. And then it will continue on claiming everything. It's my body, my life, my problems, my time, my this, my that, my girlfriend. You know, you'll have a girlfriend, it's very nice. As soon as she becomes my girlfriend, things change. You know? <laughs> There's a possession of it. You can't enjoy her anymore because she's my girlfriend. You've got to 
watch her like she's a livestock, so no one else is checking her out. It's insanity. As soon as the my comes involved, you have a whole different experience. A thought is just a thought, but when it's preceded by my, it becomes the begetter of a huge story. It's just one chapter in a giant novel about you, constantly about you, or maybe about someone else, but definitely in relation to you. (laughs) It always gets back to you as the center. That's why it's called self-centeredness, and it's actually driving you crazy. The you that you're not is driven crazy by its obsession around itself. It really is. It's ravenous, it's crazy, so it won't give up, and it keeps seeking relief, because obviously the obsessive identification of self is producing a lot of, of pollution in your life, a lot of uh, debris, a lot of garbage, and you have to process all that. Yeah? So what occurs is you process it by resenting people that seem to have threatened you, and, not, and you cause them to be the reason why something you wanted didn't happen. Or you have tons of anxiety. So this fluid, flexible apparatus that's meant to you know, convey consciousness around becomes a storage unit for all the debris of a life interpreted from the point of view of self. You become a storage unit. So all the space that you are that's there to receive and say goodbye to gets stuck with all the processing, your faulty processing getting dumped in it. So people are walking around with anxieties that never happened, resentments that have been 30 years ago. They're grieving over something that never happened. They have so much garbage, they're looking to blame you for it or dump it on someone else. And usually you pick a significant other, yeah? Because you figure love will be the, all right, if they love me, I can pull out my dump truck and dump tons of shit in their life. (laughs) You wouldn't pull that to a stranger, but to someone you love. You see people, what they do in a loving relationship? They let it all hang out. (laughs) Fuck, crazy. (laughs) Self is going to punish that person for all of its disappointments. Because you must have been the cause of it. It can't possibly be me. Or you'll turn it on you with thinking it's about you, but you really believe it was someone else. So, So this idea of claiming, claiming, claiming... Is its major modality. And the self centeredness, the way it keeps us at bay is it has a very good strategy. Because the host would recognize the hostility and the unbearability of its effects in one's life very quickly. But it's blinded by this beautiful strategy, or ugly if you want to say, of self centeredness, which is that it has convinced you that you're it. So, no matter how bad it gets, you can't really entertain ever being free of it, because you, you inherently believe it's you. So the best you can do is get therapy for it, you know, try to get some self-esteem, do esteemable acts, you know, and hopefully your idea of success will, will be, you know, I won't ruin the next July 4th picnic or something. At least. And, wow, that's great, I'm doing great. No, I'm not killing someone every week. That's good that you're not killing people, but hey, maybe raise the bar about success. You know, maybe there's more of a life than just not killing people or not going to prison or not this or not that. Maybe freedom has its own value, not just because of what it brings you away from, but in itself its own value of just freedom. Just the sense of freedom is incredibly valuable. So, 
this system, identif- keeping the host constantly in the identification has to be reinforced every day because the bonding agent doesn't work. It's not a long-lasting bonding agent. So it has the daily narrative of your head that sees everything from the point of view of you as a body, you as a being, a body, not a spirit, and all the language that reinforces that you're the doer and the haver of everything that happens in this life, you get to stay in a trance. And then the parasite basically feeds on you all day. It lives, it lives, it lives what it calls a life through you. And it has you to clean up after it. Because you'll be responsible and you'll be accountable and you'll be identified with every one of its expressions. So it is definitely the bringer of anxiety in your life. Because conscious contact has one quality. It's in contact with what seems to be happening now. So it has a certain definition. You're going to be in conscious contact with what's happening now. Anxiety comes from what's not happening. There's not, you, can, you could not mine one twentieth of a percentage of what you're mining, uh, you know, the crop of anxiety from what's happening. It's just, a, it's just, it doesn't have that ability. But what's not happening can create tons of anxiety that gets downloaded now. So what's not happening is, hey, next Friday, it's not happening. Tonight's Thursday. But in next Friday, in my head, I could have cancer next Friday. I could be totally destitute. My girlfriend could have left me next Friday. And the unfortunate thing, if you entertain it, it will download into your body the fear of next Friday as an event that's happening now. And it has enough strength in us, because we've been taken over for quite a while, to override the fact of what's happening. So you may be in this room, and there's nothing fearful or threatening occurring, and yet you'll be flipping out. Because you're not responding to what's happening, you're responding to what's not happening. Not responding, actually reacting. It's a habit. And like I said, what's not happening, anything can happen. It has... It can just riff like John Coltrane, man, like an incredible jazz sax player. It can think of what bleak thing could possibly happen. And then you're you're being like, (laughs) the anxiety, the mind creates the physiological effects of fear without any fearful situation in front of it. It's mind-boggling. So you're like getting zapped all day. You could be broke next week. She's thinking of leaving you for sure. And it's just a crazy character. It's got the... It just punches the button. Let's see what happens. So you're getting electrocuted all day by your own fucking head. But unfortunately, if you keep getting electrocuted, keep shock is, you know, earth-shattering events are constantly being entertained. Yes? It's going to have an effect on this apparatus. You're going to be a freaking mess. Your nerves are going to be shot. Your mind's going to be racing incredibly. Yeah, you're, you're, probably your health is going to go down the tubes. Yeah. And yet, none of it's actually happening. It's being seen to be happening in what's not happening. Yeah. But the only thing that attends what's not happening is you, the original what's not happening. You as a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. To what you really are, there is no what's not happening. It's seen just as 
a bunch of thoughts going through past the screen of now. Yeah. But your addiction to it causes you to forget that conscious contact and you get absorbed in the story of you because there's one ingredient that that story of you has is you think it's about you. Your mind is into it. And it gets sucked into that place, and then you live in what's not happening. You don't live in there. You're listening to the interpretation of it. But its effects, its seeming effects, get downloaded now. And the other thing is, when you're living in what, or reacting to what's not happening, you're unconscious to what's happening, which is conscious contact. The seeing, and the hearing, and the feeling, and the tasting, and the touching are long gone as an experience. It's all about thinking about what you saw, heard, felt, tasted, and smelled. Yeah? You've totally left the field of awareness and consciousness, and you're in the mental realm of thinking. And the thinking is defined by the system it comes from, which is self-centeredness. Thinking cannot think outside the box of self-centeredness. You'll never think yourself out of self-centeredness. It's impossible because it's a product of self-centeredness. It's 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 like it's maintenance man really. The thinking is it's maintenance man. The mind's conditions mind's maintenance man is something thinking. Yeah. So you go home and think about a problem, you spawn twenty more problems. Yeah? Because the problem is the thinking. Not that you're thinking wrong or that it is very limited. Thinking is limited. You're much more faster than that. You can respond to conscious contact. The thoughts are uh, uh, on a big time delay, and they're an interpretation. But we've forgotten the conscious contact, and we're living based on an interpretation by a very failed system called self-centeredness. It says it in our book. It says self-centeredness is... He says, why do you have so much fear today? And he doesn't let you say your great story about it. He says, isn't it because self-reliance has failed us? He, He names the whole dilemma. The system we're relying on to navigate through life is a failed system. Yeah, it's like that story about the lady who f- saves the snake and takes it home and bathes it and feeds it and gets makes a little shoebox for it and gets a little blanket and everything and and it's getting back to health and then it, she picks it up to pet it and the snake bites her and she flips out. Why the hell? I've been so good to you, Mr. Snake and everything. He says, "Hey, I'm a snake." <laughs> What do you think? That's what I do. I bite. Well, self-reliance fails. It's not personal, because there is no person. Self-reliance is a failed system. No matter how much you huff and puff, it ain't going to change that fact. It's a failed system to what? To rely on. Because it's not a good navigation system. Just like we were navigating here on the car, you know, with a very nice voice. It didn't sound like mine, but that's sort of why it's happening here. You walk into a room and your little navigator's on and says, don't sit next to that person. There's the girl you want to meet. Let's go over there. Oh, no, what she'll think of me. I don't, my pants too short. Oh, I don't look so good. I think I'll navigate over here. And it goes, it's like insane. It's totally flipped out. And you basically never get to your destination, which you thought was happiness, joy, and freedom, you know? But it says, all right, you punch in happiness, joy, and freedom here, it's like an 8,000-mile journey. You know, over land, over sea, flights, you know? Happiness, joy, and freedom is, a, is, a, is, is available now through conscious contact, not taking a journey of mind. It's always going to be put off, yeah? Watch, listen to people come in our community. What's the best they can entertain? I will be okay. It's always put off. 
I will be okay, and then now you add, then there's a blank, and now you add, all right, after I go to college, after I get married, after this, after that, do, 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 and it's always extended the unbearability of not being present now. And it's a, it's a cartographer, a map maker. It constantly provides maps for you because it thinks it knows where you are. You're not where it's locating you. You're prior to that. You're being located in interpretation, and you're the conscious contact. Yeah? You are hearing. You're hearing. Not you as Paul. You're hearing. You're feeling. You're tasting. You're touching. It's undeniable you are. Because you're aware. But that's very rarely attended to now. All we do is dismiss that. Yeah? And that conscious contact gets enslaved to be in contact with all the thoughts about you as a Paul. And of course it's going to drive you crazy. Because you can't handle all that attention. This is the intention of the universe, in a sense. This is major domo juice. And to have it put on one little thing called self, it's like taking light. You know when you were a kid and you'd want to look at bugs and you'd get a magnifying glass and then you want to see the back color of the bug and without knowing it, you'd use the magnifying glass and the sun would be behind you and it would kill the freaking bug. You know, you'd like, the focus would go, and the bug, you'd want it, you'd wanted to see it and you killed it, in a sense. You didn't, but the light killed it. That's what's happening. The obsession with self is magnifying in a huge amount of mojo, awareness, light, you want to call it consciousness, and then it's being fixated on one point, one imaginary point, and then all the orbiting thoughts around that point. It's going to drive that point crazy. It's too much juice. That's what I, had, what I found out. It was I thought, like I went to a program for two years. I lived in a place called Delancey Street. the drug and alcohol program in San Francisco. I mean, that's how uncivilized I was. I had to be institutionalized to learn how to live here. I had no freaking idea. So for two years, and when I left that place, I didn't like them much, obviously, and the president or anyone like that and the councils, but I had to admit my life looked better with them running it than it ever did with me running it. And then I got, you know, I could turn my life over to, uh, well, not everyone in this room, but most people in this room, <laughs> and they would do a better job with it than I would, because they had no vested interest in it. And I thought that was the weirdest thing. I would think vested interest would actually promote my well-being, but actually vested interest is what defeats me. Someone who was just hang, walking down the street, I'd say, hey, can, can you manage my week? My week would probably go better with them. And they'd have no, you know, they have no care about me or nothing. Just pick anyone. They'd do a better job than you. Why is that? You would think, you know, I've got this best in interest. I should really be promoting myself. It goes the opposite way. It's this obsessing, obsessing. But that light, without the magnification of selfing, is incredible. It, it's, it's, it doesn't burn, it illuminates, yes? It doesn't create neuroses, it creates peace. It's the same energy, it's just, if your energy of consciousness, it's not yours, it's there, if it's enslaved to this one point and to serve the idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity all freaking day, yes? It's gonna, it's gonna turn neurotic. Your whole apparatus is just gonna short circuit. You're going to flip out. It's too crazy. But that same light, if let, if taken off that one point, is the illuminating factor of your existence. You'll see 
that you are the source of peace. Literally, see it. You'll see from the source of peace, and it won't be you that's seeing from it. They'll be seeing from the source of peace, and seeing from the source of joy and happiness, and seeing from the source of clarity. Not that I have clarity, because if you believe you have clarity, you also believe you cannot have clarity. When you realize there's only clarity, then there's no option. There's no, you don't have to prepare to be clear. All you have to do is be willing to surrender what needs to prepare to be clear. The clarity is always available at all times. This thing has one quality. It's incessantly on, light. And light has a nature. It illuminates. It's like here in this room. If someone turned off all the lights, problems would ensue, yes? Someone who hasn't been here before wouldn't be able to find the bathroom. The people who had been before would have to follow their memory to try to remember where the bathroom was. They may enter a closet because, you know, it's unreliable. So the, their memory is probably not going to get them to the bathroom. And it could be I'd run into you and you'd resent me. And you know, I'd hurt my knees and stuff like that. And a lot of things would occur. So what do we do? Instead of, we immediately hunker down into darkness. You know, and then some people who have entrepreneurial skills start selling knee pads, you know. Right? So you're definitely going to bump yourself on some furniture. But hey, this will make it better. Yeah? Someone sells maps, you know. I think I know where that, I was at that bathroom once. And if you follow this map and here's a little light, you know, an artificial light, that should get you there. Maybe, who knows, you know. And all this stuff. Instead of just going and turning on the light switch. Because all the problems are contingent on the darkness. Darkness is just the absence of light. In us, it's an activity that the mind is doing. It's a verb of absencing the light by being obsessed with this. Yes? But when the light goes on, you don't need, need knee pads. I can see the chair. I can see the door that says bathroom. I see again. All I needed was illumination. Now, most of us are trying to find an, an outside illumination, books and stuff like that, which are fine, they can be helpful, like a battery, you know, like a, like a flashlight. But the batteries usually run out, yes, occasionally. I'm saying you are the light. You really are. You are the illuminating quality in your life, because you're conscious, and that's light. Yeah? But when that consciousness gets enslaved to promoting and reinforcing the idea of being a body yes, and a brain, a historical action figure who was born is going to die and all of these incredibly important things to it. Yeah, that light gets misused in a sense and it actually becomes darkness, basically. So here we come into AA for recovery, whatever, and we're suffering from a form of looking at life called self-centeredness, yes? It's a way of looking. You believe it's your natural state, it's not. It's a, we grew into it. It's a way of looking at life. There's an old guy, Chuck C., wrote a book, A New Pair of Glasses. I never read it, but I like the title a lot. <laughs> because it, it, uh, it describes something to me that's clear for me, which is, yeah, this way of self-centeredness is a way of looking. So obviously, suffering the effects of this for many, many years, yes, and especially suffering the effects of its solution to itself. <laughs> because self will provide a lot of solutions. And you think you're going to get relief from it, but you're actually getting relief for it. It, can, it eats up relief. Easily. So, 
this old way of looking, self-centeredness, created a lot of distortions, obviously, that we suffered through. And we try to get solutions by drinking and using, you know, disassociation or whatever it may be, sex, shopping, just trying to get relief from that unbearability, that irritability, restless discontent, being obsessed with what you're not, really. So AA gives another pair of glasses. So we put those pair of glasses on, and AA is built on some sound lenses, basically, and they know how to create correct the distortions of self-centeredness to a point where your life becomes bearable. If you practice the principles and you keep those glasses on, you'll be able to navigate where you couldn't navigate before. You'll be able to see what you weren't seeing before. They're a pretty damn good pair of glasses, yeah? The first pair of glasses, self-centeredness, creates a dependency on you. The more you look from that point of view, the more it reinforces that point of view. Yes, it's a very interesting pair of glasses. It tells you there are no other pair of glasses. <laughs> it will brook no other pair of glasses, the self-centered glasses. But there's the AA glasses, and they start correcting the distortion. Now, to me, every form of looking, in a way, is actually a form of blindness here. Because there's a natural scene based on that your light, your consciousness. Yeah? It doesn't need to be formulated into a way of looking. It has the quality of seeing. All ways of looking have that quality, yes? But they're looking in a certain way for something. Light or the consciousness isn't looking for anything. It's all there is. So there's no looking and there's no seeking from that way of seeing. The other ways of looking are a form of seeking. So to me, I believe they blind you to the fact that you're naturally seeing at all times. You're just not aware of it because the seeing's being called you, which immediately puts you in the glasses of self-centeredness. It's that way. And it's quick, too. The conscious contact occurs and it immediately claims it. And that gap creates your world. Your world as seen from self. But that world is formulated and made and reinforced in your head. Yeah? There is a gap. That gap between conscious contact and the interpretation is peace. You know? That's the pause I believe AA talks about when it says pause when agitated. And I believe in self-centeredness, you're constantly agitated. You're constantly seeking. When have you stopped seeking for? You never stop seeking in self. You're constantly on the lookout, constantly strategizing, constantly comparing, constantly checking, constantly wanting, because it's seeking, 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 seeking. St. Francis was supported, purported to have said a beautiful statement. I like to change one word in it. As he said, what's looking? But let's say, what's seeing is what you're looking for. So, while you're looking for with these glasses, they blind you to that what's looking is really seeing. Yeah? And what's, look, what's looking for is actually looking for what's seeing. And you go, where? Where? Exactly. Because you're the what's seeing. You keep putting it outside, thinking it's got to be show up like a savior. It's got to be outside of you, and that's the greatest way the self hides it from you. Because it has you established as this, as your primary identification. I'm a body. You can't tell me any otherwise. My perceptions reinforce it. You reinforce it. My experiences here reinforce it. I'm a body. And then the best you can do from that is maybe entertain becoming spiritual. As a body. Which is a very difficult thing for a body to do. Because it doesn't have a spiritual nature. It has a, a material nature. Yes? It's very difficult to perform that alchemy, to turn a material into a spiritual. As you well know, most times when you practice spirituality, it seems to 
the moment you don't, you're not vigilant, it seems to just fall off. <laughs> I used to go on these long retreats, and uh, the payoff cost ratio was really bad. I'd be in the jungles for like three weeks, meditating 13 hours a day, and I'd feel good for about a day afterwards. And then it would just seem to go right back into the self thing again. Yeah? So I said, Jesus. And then the mind, of course, in self-centeredness, will go, well, just do a longer retreat. Yeah? It always has to be more. It never questions the formula right. that's not bringing you relief. It always tinkers with it. But it's the same formula. I'll change this person in this place, and therefore then it will happen. Or oh, I'll change this place and bring that person back. And But in fact, it never, never, never never works, because you always seek again. And obviously, if there's tons of seeking, it shows there's been no real relief. If there's a lot of seeking, it indicates there has not been real relief. When real relief is found, seeking actually decreases dramatically, because you found what you've supposedly been looking for. Yeah? You didn't find it, you fell into it, because it's you already. <laughs> It calls off the search without having any effort involved because it's obviously it's pointless to keep searching if you found it. Yes? It's like finding your keys and then spending the next day looking for them. <laughs> Just get in the car and drive. No, no, I'm busy seeking those keys, but you found them. No, no, I'm into seeking keys. That's what happens. People are seeking new spiritual adventures and they're really just delaying the fact that they're already okay. Because they're into being okay, trying to become okay, yeah, as a self. Yeah. A self can be look spiritual, I'm telling you. It has no problem, it's a chameleon. You'll wear any uniform that's offered on this planet. They'll just get some robes and incense and start looking at you lovingly and, you know... <laughs> charge you $800 for subscription to its newsletter and tell you that if you follow what I say, you will get what I have. Fuck that. You are that. You're your own authority. You're awake already. You don't need... It's nice to be around people who are in that certainty, but it's not that they have something you don't. Don't make that mistake. There's no difference between what's looking out of this noggin and what's looking out of any noggin in this room. It's the same scene. It's the same quality of consciousness that we are. It's inherently what we are. So, I believe AA is a damn good pair of glasses because in a sense it should become obsolete for you. I don't mean you leave AA or anything, but the need, let's say to me, the need to do some of the steps are only because something else hasn't occurred. The spiritual awakening hasn't been recognized as you. So that's because why would you want to do a fear inventory if you have any, don't have any fear? If you're not living in what's not happening, I'm telling you, you won't have much fear during the day. <laughs> because most of it's anxiety coming from what's not happening. So when that, when that realm has been <laughs> seen not to be relevant, it's not fucking real, then therefore the products that are shipped from it get... They get denied, you know, you don't sign for it, you know. Even if it says, but it's about you, you go, nope, sorry. Because that's what usually has you sign for them all. It says your name on it. Or Paul Hedeman, or about Paul Hedeman. Oh, I'm very interested in that. <laughs> What's that going to happen to me today? Uh, someone's going to fuck with you later. Oh, all right. Uh, preemptive resentment now? Yeah, sounds like a good plan. Let's go. <laughs>
Let's just be paranoid about everyone. You know, it'll save me a lot of trouble. They're all out to get me. Yeah, that's even better. But if it's not you, when they b- deliver it, and you say you can... De- no, no. That's it. Because you're now engaged. And this is a very engaging place. See, a lot of people have trouble th- this here and there. Because they've only entertained a mythical here in the there. If you really start experiencing being here, it's got a very strong gravitational pull. You'll probably like it. You really will. You'll like being conscious. It's like a natural quality. You'll feel, you'll like it. You'll travel lighter. And then that liking it frees up more of your attention to be fed into this, which is sort of like an internal movement. Yeah, there's the beingness of spirit, and then there's the awareness as spirit of that, and it just boom, 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 and you end up traveling lighter. And what more do you want in life? You know? It doesn't change the terrain of your life or maybe your destiny as an action figure, but you'll travel lighter through every one of those hills and valleys and mountains. Yeah, you'll start noticing that you outshine circumstances and situations instead of being the effect of them. Because the self is the effect of circumstances and situations. It has to give those things meaning to seem real. It has to give something that it says is real the power to affect it so that it can seem to be real. But spirit has nothing to do with that. Spirit is just on. Yes? has no opinion about anything. It's just on. And you can intimate it. You can become conscious of that awareness. It's available. See the past basket, so I got a couple more minutes of it. Couple more days. The trouble with it is one thing, though. Really, I'd like to try to get this as strongly across as possible. I said it the other night, where let's say a bunch of sheep who are actually lions. Yeah, they're actually lions, but they forgot that they're a lion, and they've assumed that they're a sheep, and they've been adopted into a herd of sheep, and they've been trying to live the best sheep life they can probably not working out well for them because their nature is of a lion but they're trying their best yeah so they're hanging out this and that that and this and then they some of the sheep start entertaining the idea of being becoming like a lion which is what happens with a lot of us with spirituality we hear about spirituality and then we want to become spiritual as a sheep yes and let's say spirituality is being described based on the qualities of a lion. You know, courageous, independent, fierce, you know, free, powerful, strong. And of course, you don't believe you are, because you're a sheep. You believe you're a sheep, so you're weak, yes? Easily uh, herded, because we feel like that, don't you hear? And so now, some of the sheep would, hey, maybe like that invitation, to become like a lion, or to be a lion. So they hear the message, and so, like I'm saying, you're a lion. That's the message. You're a lion. You're a lion. You're a lion. And so, that, but the sheep hear that, and you don't understand what happens with selfing. When the sheep, so the message is you're a lion, yes? And there you are as a lion, but you're assuming you're a sheep, yeah? So when you hear the message of being a lion, it goes, I'm a lion, I'm a lion, I'm a lion, I'm a lion. And when it hits your, your conditional ear, so to speak, it becomes, I can become like a lion. Always reinforcing the prior idea that you're a sheep. This message is trying to get behind there. I don't have any practices. I don't offer anything about anything. I could care less what you're doing or not doing. All I want to do is see who's doing it. Yeah? If it's not 
what you think is doing it, you may be freed from the slavery of all that doing. Your life can change, probably. So this is about, all right, I can become like a lion. Become like a lion. No, the message is you are a lion. So one of the things is this message will be co-opted by the sheepness. Yeah? And it will make it into something the sheep's going to practice. That's not this message. This is not another practice. When I leave here, there's no subscription. You're not signing up. I don't have a 10-day extravaganza retreat where you're going to be sitting meditating and doing yoga. I don't care what you do. Really, it's none of my business. But the fact is, which will override any illusion if you entertain it, is that you're not what you think you are. You are not a sheep. You are the lion nature. See? And when that's recognized, what you think as a sheep of, i got to take two years of that roaring workshop, you will just <laughs> naturally roar. You will naturally roar. It won't be something that you're going to have to practice to do. And what occurs is, when that's entertained, you will see that spirit wants to express, not be achieved or attained. It's actually not a goal for the self to find or to acquire. It's waiting for you to recognize you're not that, and then it expresses through this apparatus, not goes looking for it. Because every step of any looking for it would be the spirit. Yeah? So every journey has already found its destination in the journey. It doesn't mean you don't go on journeys. We're in this place called time and space. You're going to do journeys and have this and that. But what you usually journey for is to get what you can't get because you aren't. It's a recognition of that. And therefore you travel lighter in any journey you find yourself in. Because the meaning that would make it so heavy that I've got to get through this journey to get that. Without that I'm nothing. It's a lie. There's no pot of gold on the other end of the rainbow. You are the rainbow. You're spending your pot of gold seeking for rainbows. You are the rainbow. The attention and consciousness that we are is being spent on just mental inanities, whatever that's a word. It's just going off. Constantly worried about your shoe size or something. It's freaking unbelievable. That attention freed up. You cannot believe where it will lead you. Yeah? It will lead you. You're, you're an interface to this place. Consciousness is meaning itself in things and objects and form. Yes, through a form called a body and a brain. You're not the form. You're not the telescope. You're the scientist that's looking through the telescope. For, for a consciousness to look into this world, it has to come through us, through a body. Yeah? Because where the lens is, where consciousness, which is all there is, can appear to be something other than itself. Yes? It can appear to be things and bodies and other things. And even thoughts and ideas are things. They're all concepts and bodies. So the scientist looks at the stars, and the telescope facilitates the star seeing, because the lenses make the stars seem to be closer. Yes? But it's not the telescope that's looking at the stars. It's the scientist that's looking at the stars. Exactly for, for me. I am not seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching. I'm in, I am the telescope that picks up seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching. What's experiencing seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching is consciousness. It's awareness. It's not in a form. If you want to give it the name spirit, that's a good name. It can't be quantified. It's not in a box. It's not a, a form or a being. It's spirit, awareness, light. Yeah? And it's so beautiful when the telescope realizes it's a telescope and then 
hits that, and then it realizes it's actually the scientist that's looking through the telescope. Yeah. Then you wear glasses when you need to, but do you not become dependent on them? Yeah? You're having a bad day, do an inventory. doesn't mean you have to do inventories the rest of your life, because you won't have bad days if you've seen them. It's just not going to come on. You'll have a very a lot of light days because the days melt into one. It's the context of the day, the, the awareness of it is what becomes a determining factor. I don't remember much particulars anymore. All I remember is the context of my day. It's like I've been on all day. <laughs> I really am aware of that. The things come and go, yeah? But I don't know if people... See, people, my friends at, back home don't even ask me how my trip was anymore. Because I have no idea. They go, how your trip was? I can, make up, I can make up a story. I don't know. It's done. You know, it's over. It's just, this thing catches your attention. You don't want to spend on memory or anything. You want to just spend it right where it's, right where it sources, which is conscious contact. So, any questions for tonight? Stunned into silence. I love it. I'm doing my job if you're stunned into silence. That's right. <laughs> Well, great. Fantastic. It's just wonderful um, what consciousness now does with the telescope. <laughs> it's, um, it's nothing that you could ever, the, the body could ever dream of. Yes, definitely. Well, the body is captured by self-centered. very small system, very limited possibilities, and you've been over every inch of self-centeredness already. You've tried every possibility has to offer. It just creates a new and improved version, tries to you know put a different face on it, but it's the same old, same old. You're, you're basically trying to ride a dead horse. It's over. <laughs> really. It's just time to get off and what we call surrender and just start opening up to another program. Because this, this one's dead. Really. It's, you know, don't try to breathe life in it with your own attention yet. Be convinced to believe with certainty. It's over. That means your antenna will, will move away from this K-pole all day and pick up another frequency. And you'll be guided, just like you've been guided by self-centeredness, you'll be guided by that infinite power. Same, same. You're just an expression. You're nothing solid or real. Whatever is happening that's real to you will express itself through you. You're just a form of expression. You're an interface here. You're not doing anything. You're just like, there is all there is is infinite space, and then it comes to here, and it, uh, it has relations to things that are infinite space also. This is a beautiful doorway we are. But to think where the door is a mistake. Because then we put forbidden. Only you come through this door. Ooh, I have it and you don't have it. No, it's like they say in spirituality, it's a gateless gate. And people go, what, is, what do you mean a gateless gate? How could there be a gate without a gate? You know, if it's gateless, it's not a gate. Exactly. Or the open secret. How can there be a secret if it's open? Exactly. The truth is that. It's an open secret. It's a gateless gate. There's nothing to walk through. You are that. <laughs> Don't buy another map from it, please. Don't. Either a space map or a time map, please. It'll sell you both, space and time. It's going to take you lifetimes to get there. Give me a break. So, all right. Well, thank you very much for... Uh, yes, you have a question.
Oh, I almost got out of here. All right. <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote down, but then I left my book home. Um, you make it seem so easy. It, it seems easy. It's like I left confused the other day because, um, you know, like I know there's no figuring it out, but it's like it's easy. I mean, it's, so the one question I have is that um, conscious contact. It's like conscious contact, I think, like with myself, just consciousness, just like that being. Because I don't have this, the words that you have to express it. It's just like beingness. Yeah. Like, so, because I, I don't get it. I don't have to do anything. No. Like, the idea of being the doer and haver is irrelevant to your sense of being. It's already complete, your being. How can you do and have yourself into it? You can't be being any more than you're being now. <laughs> the more doing and having you get isn't going to increase your beingness. <laughs> then I don't understand it because I, then I don't need anything. Of course you need a lot of things as a body and they'll, they come and go. Yeah, of course you do. It's like, it's like, it's almost, we try to apply third dimensional thinking, which is self-centered thinking, into the fourth dimensional world you know, the realm of spirit. They, you can't do that. You can't capture how this thing gets along here with the, the dimension of thinking of, from here. This, the thinking system from here, which is self-centered, cannot capture how this thing moves and progresses and navigates. We call them paradoxes because our wrong thinking can't entertain, but they're really another, they're just a much more truthful, clearer way to go, just like intuitive thoughts and all this stuff. You have knowledge prior to an interpretation. You know prior to knowing. You and I know prior to knowing. Right now we have a conceptual knowing we're stuck on. We think if we know something, it means we understand it. We're trying to know beingness, but if you try to know beingness, you lose it because it's a verb. You can't put beingness under a glass and say, that's beingness, I've finally discovered beingness. No. You only move along with beingness, which is what you are, and it intimates its qualities by living it. Yeah? So it's extremely sim simple, but not to a self. To the self, it's impossible, because the self is rigid and solid and doesn't move and wants to be right, and, and it, it demands a sense of knowing which really neuters living. You want to know something more than live it, don't you? Most of the time. You'd rather know the day. Many people, they call it, they, they'll, they'd rather be miserable as long as it's familiar. That's what I'm trying to point out. As if you live it, you'll miss the experience. See, you won't have a story about it when you're living it. That's the beauty of it. You don't have a story. Seriously. You just live it, and it's more than enough. To me, the whole desire to have a story is, is really trying to replace your absence in the event. You basically aren't there, so your mind makes up a story about being there. And then you have to sell it to others, because you have a real sense you weren't there. It's just like when people go on vacation, they'll bring thousands of pictures of being in Hawaii to prove that they were in Hawaii, because there's a doubt that they were really in Hawaii, because they seem to be at work all week when they were in Hawaii, in their head. So they're in what's not happening at work, what's not happening is Hawaii, so they're there. And then when they're in Hawaii, they're in what's not happening, which is work. 
So they have to make up stories, and then we go around selling them to others who are storytellers, and then if you get an agreement, you make it seem more real. But deep down, it's very disturbing. You're not really happy, because you have a strong sense you weren't there. A strong sense in your own life, you haven't been present in your own life. And there's no other life you've got the invitation to be present to, other than yours. Seriously. This is it. No matter what your mind says about it. Of course it has all these opinions that it's not enough and this and that. Those are all ways of just keeping you from delving into what's so. Because what's so is more than enough. Being conscious is unbelievable to be aware of it. It is a never-ending, infinite exploration. You go in from here, from the head, not thinking this is where you end, into that infinity you attract tons of possibilities that you never, like you say, could imagine in self-centeredness. You can't even imagine it. You have the ability to entertain unbelievable no things. But your ability to entertain has been enslaved to entertaining that you're a self. And trying to give tons of meaning to the little you know, resentments and fears and anxieties by pumping in so much meaning, it must mean I'm really something. If I can worry this hard about something, it must be really meaningful. It's a way of trying to hide the fact that it's non-existence in a sense. It's a verb of mind. There's no noun. There's no noun to be found. All is being. All is a verb. And it takes a verb to know a verb. You'll never know a verb by a noun. You will never know because the quality of noun is not is sort of inaction, and the quality of verb is action. It's living. Yeah. So we've taken ourselves as a verb and made it mentally into a noun, and now we want to know the mysteries of life. You can never know the mysteries of life. You're the biggest mystery of life. How could consciousness forget it was consciousness and take on this to be itself? <laughs> so fucking unbelievable work of miracle it's miraculous that you can make what's not happening seem more important than what's happening every freaking day you know so you think you're you want to go see the miracle work you're a miracle work is every day you're making what's not happening seem to be real fuck it's incredible and you prove it by your anxiety and let me talk about your my problems no i don't want to even talk about your problems yeah let me tell you what I think is going to happen. Please don't. <laughs> I'd rather watch a movie. You know, much better. You know, it's this lousy production. You don't even have a big screen. It's just yapping. I want, I want visual and audio. I want the whole surround sound experience. Well, listen. Uh, yeah, I just want to thank you for having me. I appreciate the invitation. Because you're my tribe, in a sense. You know, I have a super fond feeling for alcoholics and addicts because uh, even though it wasn't real that scent and smell of hell was pretty damn powerful when you lived in it yeah it was pretty incredible interpretation that this thing is really good at making hell it really is but if you drop an alcoholic into heaven it would be hell in a day check it out you can have everything perfect and you'll find some fault to it but we hunker down in hell like it's our home you know oh yeah you hit a bottom and, and you call it home. <laughs> it's amazing. So, I want to thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And we'll end with a serenity prayer if you like. Yeah. <laughs>